0: Greetings and welcome to Astronomy 104 at HACC. Over the last couple of weeks we've talked about dark matter and dark energy and sort of gone to the very edges of the universe. And this time I want to go back, for the next few weeks I'm going to go back in and go a little bit closer to home and talk about something a little bit, a little bit closer. We're going to talk about stars and star formation and how the stars go about forming. Now again we cover this in the Astronomy 104 class in much more detail during the actual class time, but I want to give you a kind of a summary here that may be useful for you to follow along when or get a little bit more information. And what happens here is we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how stars form and how they die. We'll talk about the entire life cycle of the stars. And we'll start off with this time we're going to talk about how the stars actually form. So what happens in order to form a star? You have to have something go on. We need to to form a star. A star just doesn't appear out of nowhere. It forms from gas and dust in space. So when we've looked at some of these pictures of the day and we've talked about the nebulae, the different types of nebulae, the dark nebulae and the emission nebulae and the reflection nebulae, for example, we're talking about star formation. And in fact, the dark nebulae are the ones we want to talk about first because that's where the stars actually begin. Deep, dark in a very dark, thick nebula. And the dark nebulae are dark particularly because they block out the light. They're so dense that they block out the light from distant stars, giving them their names as a dark nebula. And as we go on and we see as we go on and we see that, we can talk about the dark nebula and deep inside there will be some pockets that start to condense. Now why do they start to condense? This is a good question and a good thing to think about. Stars don't just, the cloud just doesn't want to condense for no reason. There's this big cloud of gas and dust, there's no reason for it to condense. It's quite happy the way it is. It just wants to stay as it is. Something has to happen nearby in order for it to start condensing and to form these stars, to form stars. And often what happens, sometimes it's that stars have formed in the first place, and that stars have formed and exploded in a supernova explosion. And that shockwave sending out through the other gas and dust in space causes it to condense and form new stars. So that's one possibility. But how did the first stars form then? We couldn't have had if you didn't have a supernova to form it. Again, that's one way. How else could you do it? Well, these gas clouds are all moving through space and they're moving around and they're very big. They're not just little teeny tiny stars by comparison. They're gigantic, the size of mini solar systems together. And as they move through space, they'll actually collide into each other. So if two of these gas clouds collided and collapsed, we would get increased star formation because of that as well. So that would cause us to increase the star forming. Now what happens deep inside that nebula as we for as we begin to form these stars, is that you get a little bit of an area that started to balance and started to comp- started to compress, and it gets a little bit more gravity and it starts to pull, and it pulls more material in, and it's it's a process that will build on itself. The more material this protostar, as we'll call it, begins to collect, the more. It, the more material we'll try to collect because it has more gravity and it pulls more material in constantly as it does that. So it's forming more material and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it keeps collecting this material. Now it's still not even close to being a star. It's not, it's not a planet, it's nothing else. It's, it's what we call a protostar and that is a star in the process of formation. It's not a star. A star requires one very specific event, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it essentially has to be able to produce its own energy. And these protostars are not producing any energy. They are glowing only with the heat of their, con- their material that is contracting to form them. They are not actually fusing hydrogen to helium at their core as the Sun does to produce its own energy. Now, as these stars, but as these stars continue to collapse, they become more and more condensed. The temperatures at the core get higher and higher. So they might start out as a few degrees when it's this big, dense dense cloud, just only a few degrees, tens of degrees, very cold, and tens of degrees. Recall, degrees in astronomy are kelvins, which are measured above absolute zero. So when I say 10 degrees, that's 10 degrees above absolute zero and then it will slowly increase up to thousands of degrees, which is the temperature of the surface of the Sun. So it's getting warm, but that's not near hot enough. And then it will get even hotter. As you get more material, it's pushing together and together, and that core will reach a million degrees, and five million degrees, and 10 million degrees is the magic number. Once you reach about 10 million degrees, then you're able to begin the proton-proton chain. Now the proton-proton chain is the energy generation used by the Sun. It takes a number of different steps, but essentially, in the long run, what it does is take four hydrogen nuclei and smash them together. Again, there's a number of steps to this, and we'll look at that in much more detail in class, but it smashes those four together to form one helium nucleus. Why is that so important? Well, If you take the mass of those four hydrogen nuclei that went into this process and you take the mass of the one helium nucleus that comes out and you add it all together, there's a difference. Those four hydrogen nuclei weighed a little bit more than this one helium nucleus. There's a mass difference. We lost mass. But mass can't be lost. We can't lose mass. Mass is conserved. How could what happen to the mass? The only thing you can do in a nuclear reaction is you can convert that mass into energy. So that little tiny bit of mass difference, and it's not a lot, it's just a little bit of mass difference, but it doesn't take much because Einstein's equation tells us that the energy contained within a bit of matter is equal to that mass times the square of the speed of light, which is a very large number. So a very large number squared means that a little tiny bit of mass loss can give us a tremendous amount of energy release. And that's what happens in the Sun every second. Millions of reactions every single second are needed to produce the energy of the Sun. And once this protostar has done this and has gotten to that temperature, it has now become a star. It's no longer a protostar, not buried. it's buried in this deep cloud still, but it's now becoming a star and it will start to break out of its cocoon. So it was hiding in this deep cocoon, and as it gets brighter and brighter, it gets more and more energy. That starts to push off the outer layers of the cocoon, and the rest of the gas and dust in the nebula get pushed off, and the star starts to become visible. Now that's one of the reasons when we look at things like protostars, we look in the infrared, because infrared can penetrate deep down into that cocoon and see the star forming. Whereas visible light does not penetrate that gas and dust, so we can't see it visibly. But we can use radio and infrared to look into that cocoon and watch the star. Until we were able to do that, all we could do was theorize. We just we could only look at the star once it had gotten out of its cocoon, and we could just see the remnants around it. Now that begins. The, so that's the beginning of the life of a star. <clears throat> Over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the end life. And we'll talk about it in two steps. We'll talk about the end life of a star like the sun. And then we'll talk about the end life of a more massive star. So we'll do that over the next couple of weeks as we talked here about the formation of a star. So that concludes this, this introduction. This is part one to Astronomy 104, um, little podcast on stellar evolution. And this was the formation of the stars. And next week we'll start talking about the end life for a star like the sun, and then the following week we'll talk about the end life of a more massive star. So, until next time, have a great day everyone, and I will see you in class.